One, two, three, four. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you do me a favor, please subscribe to if you're listening. Please subscribe to if you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. When things happen out of the norm, when freak, freak incidents happen, a lot of people want to compound those, those incidents with their own hesitations with their own rationale what do i mean by that i feel like what, 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 what they're probably thinking jay what do you mean so oklahoma city thunder rookie chet holgram he was the number two overall pick in this year's draft he suffered a Liz Frank injury in his right foot, causing him causing him to miss the, the entire this entire season. He he sustained that injury while playing in a pro am game with other stars like LeBron James, um, Jason Tatum was there, Isaiah Thomas, a lot of people were there, and he just so happened to get injured while guarding LeBron James at that pro am. Now, if you want to, I can, you can hear it, you know, there, there's already people that question why these NBA stars do the programs, why these NBA stars go to home gyms and, and play, for lack of a better term, meaningless basketball to them. But I would actually refute that by saying none of this is meaningless. These are the, the same people will say, you see, I told you, God, I told you this is why you shouldn't allow people to play or shouldn't allow NBA players to play in program games because they can get hurt like this. Let me first say that this was a freak in, freak injury, freak incident. If you go back and watch the clip, uh, Chet was trying to slow down LeBron James from beginning a layup and he just landed wrong and of course the injury happened. It wasn't like it wasn't like something that was honestly preventable. It just it just wasn't it, it, it was a freak incident, a freak in injury. But you know that this is this this type of situation which of course actually is very far and few between is going to fuel the people that say NBA stars shouldn't play in programs. Now let me let me address the it's not it's meaningless basketball. And I and shouts out to J, to Jonte Murray who was actually there as well. Proams, you know we I talked about I talked about the priest or talked about the summer league and how. I think a lot of second and third year players should play in the summer league because it just it's more basketball. It gets you to work, you're able to work on your skills. Well, proams do the same thing to a certain extent, but it's also for the fans mostly. 
there, there's a lot of fans that can't really afford to go to games. There's a lot of kids that can't afford to go to games. And some, a lot of these programs that they go to are free or very low charge, maybe 5 maybe $10. So when you saw LeBron James go to the Drew League, uh, DeMar DeRozan plays in the Drew League all the time. Um, Montrez Harrell plays in the Drew League. It, it, these programs, these leagues are for the fans, but it's also for you, you're playing talented people. Again, DeJounte Murray was there. Jason Tatum, Pablo Bancaro, or Paolo Bancaro was there. LeBron was there. You're playing against NBA stars. Now, yes, it's not like an official NBA game, so they're not playing hard, really. But it's for the fans. And I fear I was always I always was on the fence, not fence. I was always one of the people saying the people that are against proams and people that are against, you know, stars playing in these quote unquote meaningless games that they would call it, they're waiting for something to justify how they feel. And now that Chet is out for the season due to a due to an injury or due to Injury that was sustained outside of the ramification or outside of the Oklahoma City Thunder organization. Now there's people going to see, you know, in the next CBA, they're going to talk about this, I believe. And I don't want to say that this is the end of pro ams because I don't think it is. I mean, Jamal Crawford has a good one. Like I said, the Drew League is a pro am. But I do think that you're going to see a lot less stars and a lot less NBA players to play just because of situations like this. I don't think it's right because again, it was a freak, a freak injury. I don't think it's right, and it does, and you don't really get injured that much. I mean, hell, and, and that's another thing. You talk about these proams and stuff, right? And people have problem with the proams, but nobody has problems with Giannis or or Nikola Jokic playing in Serbia, playing in Greece, playing overseas. But they'll have a problem if they would play in the Drew League. Yeah, I get the comp, the level of competition. Actually, the level of competition is different. So you should be more concerned about Giannis hurting himself playing for Greece than playing in the crossover league. I, I just I don't want this to be a case. I don't want this to be the 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 incident that causes a shift in proams and causes a shift in NBA stars refraining from playing in games like this because it's important you know it's important for basketball you remember when you know the lockout happened and and kd and everyone was going to gym after gym after gym kd dropped 66 at the at uh rucker park it 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 it, is good for basketball and it's good for again the people that can't really afford to go to you know the kid that can't afford to go to games i think i just don't want this to be the 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 linchpin for now NBA stars saying, you see what happened to Chet, I'm not going. You know, it, it, it would be a disservice, not only to basketball, but disservice to them for, well, it really doesn't matter to them, a disservice to basketball, a disservice to a lot of people that can't afford to go. Now, let's talk about Chet for a second. Chet is another top draft pick that is going to miss the entire season due to injury. I mean, we saw that with Joel Embiid. We saw that with Ben's, uh, Blake Griffin. We saw that with Ben Simmons. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Um, but I'm the type of person that tries to see the positive in everything. I try to. I'm not saying I'm the, I'm the, I'm the best at it. 
One of the big see one of the biggest knocks on Chet was his size. He's seven foot. He's like one ninety four. He is a very skinny individual, and it's it's almost coincidental that your first injury or your injury that caused you to you know have you sidelined for the the entire season was guarding a person like LeBron James, who of course as we know takes great care of his body um is it is a tank even at the age of what 37 38 years old and while i don't blame lebron at all it, again it's it was a freak incident i think that it gives you another year it gives you a year to to rehab it gives you a year to to work out it gives you a year because now you know even though this was a pro am and it really wasn't the it wasn't the NBA at all, the physicality is going to be different. The physicality in the NBA is drastically different from the physicality in college basketball. So I think that you're able to sit, you're able to watch the game from afar, you're able to work out, you're able to get your body right, you're able to build on muscle. So now when you come back, you're stronger. You you were able to see the game differently because you were looking at it from a bird's eye view, to say the least. I think that this could be very beneficial for him. Now, I don't wish injury upon anybody. And of course, I would love to see Chet out there instead of, you know, rehabbing injuries. But Again, this could be a positive. Look, look, look at Joel Embiid. Look at Joel Embiid's body from year one to year two, and how you know he was able to learn how to play the game, and he was, or he was able to watch the game from afar and get his body right. Or Blake Griffin, or or Ben Simmons, like they were able to transform their bodies. So that that second year, it was it was off and away. I mean, hell, Joel Embiid, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I know. Ben Simmons for sure won Rookie of the Year, and I think Ben uh, uh, Blake Griffin won Rookie of the Year as well. So I think that this could be a positive, or try to you know be a positive for Chet. So you now you have time to work on your body. There's not you don't of course your rehab rehabbing and training is two completely different things, but you're able to able to 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 sculpt yourself and. It's, it's definitely hard doing that in season because it's like, oh, in season while playing because there's difference between having basketball shape or playing into basketball shape. It's, it's, it's different. Right? You don't play basketball to get into basketball shape. You get into basketball shape to play basketball. And I'm not saying he's not in shape, but when we talk about the size, that was the biggest concern. He's a, he's a skinny person, so now you have time to – you know, go work out and, 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 you know, train and, and really bulk up. So now you can guard people like, uh, cause he's seven feet. I don't know what you think, but Chet's not about to be guarding guards. Chet's not about to be guarding, you know, Steph, Dane, Kyrie. He's not about to be guarding Bradley Beal or or James Harden. He's going to be guarding small forwards to center. Mm, small forwards to power forwards. So he's going to be guarding people like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Jason Tatum, uh, Kawh- uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Those are for lack of a better term, stronger individuals outside of maybe KD. But KD 
we remember what he looks like from year one to year or now. He he did. He's not the you know he's not LeBron, but he did bulk up a little bit. So you, this this to me could be a positive. I wish you know he. I, I wish him the best of luck with the Liz Frank injury. I will say that you ha- it is a little concerning because we know big men, especially someone that's that tall, seven feet usually have foot problems and i i don't want to wish this upon him but i go back to a greg odin and how his career was drastically changed uh due to lower extremity injuries now medicine is different um everyone's different bodies are different hell they the way that kd came back from a achilles rupture is different from how you know players back in the day because things are just different so I wish nothing but the best for Chet, and I hope that this doesn't linger on because of his height. Um, hell, if you look at a lot of big men, Yao Ming, again, Greg Oden, they they usually deal with a lot of lower extreme injuries because you're that, you know, a body frame seven feet or higher over here moving as much as they're moving is not really supposed to do that. So, uh, I, I, again, I wish nothing but the best for Chet. I hope that he comes back uh, stronger than ever. And... We'll just, you know, hopefully he's able to rehab and hopefully he's able to train and get a little bigger. So when he does come uh, to the league next year uh, or does come as far as being able to play a season next year, he could be in the running for rookie of the year. So get well soon, Chip. Moving forward. Huh. <laughs> There's some... Idea. There's some ideas that are good. There's a lot of ideas that are good. Let me let me not disrespect people's ideas. <laughs> but there are ideas where they're really good, but people don't understand what could happen. And when it does happen, people people want to discredit that idea. For instance. The NFL does joint practices, meaning, you know, two teams will come together and practice. I think that's good. That's that's a good idea, especially seeing as though they're lowering they lowered the uh what's the thing? They lowered the what's that thing called? The preseason. They lowered the preseason again or deep you know, yeah, lowered the preseason again. So you have two teams to come, uh, and they just have a joint practice as far as they just scrimmage each other. I think it's good because, I mean, you really only – you don't know how good you are, honestly, until you play another team because everyone's going to look like stars when they play against their team. Like, that's just what's going to happen. So when you play against another team, so now – hell – all we heard this entire offseason was Mac Jones or Mac Jones and the offense looked great. Mac Jones and the offense looked great, even though they don't, you know, they have defensive Matt Patricia and, and Bill Belichick calling plays who are defensive minded coaches. The offense looks great until they scrimmaged. I think it was the Texans. And they was like, yo, this looks horrible. <laughs> the offense looks horrible. It's like everyone looks good against their own team. It's just when you play somebody else. You know, that's when you kind of get exposed and you kind of know what you are. So 
it you know it's a good i i believe joint practices are a good idea especially seeing as though you're you're lowering the games in the preseason what people have to understand though is there's a reason why <laughs> i go back to the tweet the it was hilarious but somebody put the nfl should have 82 games there's a reason why there's not 82 games in nfl season there's a reason why you know p- people the nfl is controlled violence and you have aggression you have uh, adrenaline you have frustration you have people that are people don't like training camp people don't like practice like it's it's nfl practices are hard like basketball practices and a light basketball practice is leaps and bounds different from a light nfl practice or a light football practice. I played both. Now, of course, I played football one year. So, but a light football practice in the elements, in the heat, on the field is drastically different from a light basketball practice where you just get up shots or you may watch film. It's it's just drastically different. So, when you have two teams that don't really like each other because you know the camaraderie with one team the karate from another you don't really like each other and you're trying to prove yourself there are going to be fights fights are going to happen fights happen in a regular game there are going to fights happen again amongst teammates there are going to be fights and i bring all this up to say there was an incident the other day with aaron donald uh, and the la chargers going against the Bengals. which by the way what did the NFL think was going to happen when you have a joint practice with the two teams that just were in the Super Bowl? The two teams that just played for the Super Bowl, played each other in the Super Bowl, are now doing joint practices. I'm not the most logistical man, if that's even a word, but I I can see a recipe for disaster before it happens. Now... Of course, they got into it. Aaron Donald, with Aaron Donald, who, by the way, Aaron Donald gets into a lot of physical altercations. I thought somebody on Twitter say this, which is true. When you're arguably the greatest defensive player of all times, there has to be, you're not wired the same as everybody else. So Aaron Donald takes off two players' helmets. Apparently, from reports, there was a lot of other players getting their helmets ripped off. But Aaron Donald was the only one that was ripping off people's helmets. I think he ripped off two of them and started swinging the helmets, like, like the Miles Garrett swinging the uh, swinging the helmets. Now, I'm not here justifying what Aaron Donald did. I don't think that you should ever use a helmet as a weapon because that's technically what you're doing, um, especially. I don't. It doesn't look like he was hitting people that didn't have the helmet on. It looks like he was hitting people. <laughs> that had the had helmets on with the helmet but you don't want to I'm not condoning what Aaron Donald did I don't think it was right that he used the helmets as a as a weapon to say the least but what do you expect is going to happen you have teams that don't like each other that already have beef because of the Super Bowl that already are tired and ready for the season to start the fights are going to happen. You hear people say suspend Aaron Donald. You hear people say, 
you know, this this is unacceptable. He committed assault. Look here, bro. There's fights all the time. There's there's as you heard a lot of NFL players, uh, former NFL players come out and say there's fights all the time in, in in training camp. There's fights in college. I had I would there was physical altercations on my basketball team. So I can imagine what happens. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we hate each other. It we were still we still love each other. It was just when you have men that see each other all the time, that surround each other all the time, as you know, it gets you're you're bumping bodies and 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 again aggression, adrenaline, confidence. It 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 just it, it's just something's gonna happen, and you incorporate the team that you don't like already, and then joint practices. No, now I will say that again. I do think joint practices are important. I think that they're great for the for the sport of the of football. I just think you have to understand fights are going to happen. And I'm sure there's a lot of fights that have happened. They're just not caught on camera. So for people to saying, you know, Aaron Donald should be suspended, he may get suspended a game or two. I don't know. He may get fined. I know that with these joint practices, the league allows the teams to hand out the 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 hand out the discipline. So we'll see what the what the Rams do, but Chill out. Chill out on this Aaron Donald thing. Again, I do not condone, you know, ripping people's helmet off and swinging them as as weapons. But fights happen all the time. Fights happen all the time. Aaron Donald's still going to be Aaron Donald. Whoever those two helmets belong to are still going to be those players. It's fine. It's fine. Let's just move on. I think the difference between what Aaron Donald did and what Miles Garrett did was Miles Garrett actually hit <laughs> he ripped Mason Rudolph's helmet off and hit him smooth in the like smooth in the head with the helmet like no helmet or nothing. That's made it different. From the video, it looks like Aaron Donald was just Aaron Donald was just ripping, you know, ripped off helmets and hitting people that had helmets. Like I don't it doesn't look like he was hitting the person or the people that the helmets belonged to. So you know, that's just how that's just how it is. So, moving forward, I'm continuing my NFL breakdown with, uh, you know, today is going to be the NFC what NFC North. I have the Green Bay Packers, I have the the Lions, I have the Bears, and I have the Vikings. And I wanted to bring on my man uh, Chris. He's the host of the Couch Coach Podcast. I'll leave all his links in the description below. He's been doing this podcast thing for a good minute. And I wanted to bring him on to talk about some of the developments that's happening in the NFC North. This is a very interesting division. And I think that this division is more up for grabs than a lot of people. And you'll hear me and Chris's conversation about it. So without further ado, thank you. Uh, I want to thank Chris for coming on. And here is our conversation and our breakdown of the NFC North. We're talking about the NFC. We're talking about the NFC North. And I'm going to start this off with a, uh, I guess, lack of a better term, a hot take. I, mm, I think there's a possibility that the, that the Detroit Lions can be the second best team in this division. I think, I, to me, the worst division is by far is the Chicago Bears. They don't know what they're doing. You have the things that plague them 
the entire year and and plagued them for a while is just they're they're still doing it. You have a rookie, well, second year starting quarterback, and then you get another defensive coach. Doesn't make sense. You have Raquan Smith or Roquan Smith. It's just a lot. And I still don't know about the Vikings. I just don't. I, I think their defense got better, clearly. They got a new coach. Uh, but I this roster that the Detroit Lions have is a good roster. That's one thing that you I haven't been able to say in my lifetime, honestly. They've had good players. But I think they have a good roster. Do you think it is far-fetched for me to think that the Detroit Lions could be the second-best team in this division? No. And I'm telling you, it's this Detroit Lions team, I mean, obviously just with, you know, the, the head coach and what he's doing, I think what's really going to be key for them, and I talked about this on my show the other day, the health of that offensive line. Now you got, you know, obviously you got guys like um, uh, Taylor Decker's back. So he'll be running that left side. You got Panay Sewell on that right side. And also Frank uh, Ragno. He's um, he'll be back from the injury. So I think that's definitely going to help a guy like a, um, like a DeAndre Swift yeah. do his thing where I think he's, this is like by far probably the Lions best defense, probably, I mean, offensive line, a la probably, you know, not, not, not to exercise in hyperbole, which I, I occasionally do, but this might be a, Barry Sanders offensive line type of situation in Detroit where, you know, you look at, you know, those times like the Lomas Brown and all those guys back in like the late 80s, early 90s type of off the offensive line. So they are, and I think, I, I definitely think they got what it takes defensively wise to bring it in there. Now Jeff Okuda's back and he's healthy. Yeah. Um, this Detroit Lions team, that's not far-fetched. Mm-hmm. I definitely think they could, if, if, if they'll be right in contention for that second spot, for sure. Yeah. I think well the the the, the it's always been known, but the storyline, in my opinion, going into the season, not just for the NFC North, but for the entire division or for the entire league, is it is a quarterback league, and I think there's been so many teams that's gotten better. There's so many teams that could prove them or need to prove themselves, and I think this Detroit Lions team. I'll say it like this. If they had a quarterback like Russell Wilson, if they had a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, if they had one of the top-tier quarterbacks, we could be saying that this is a Super Bowl-caliber team, Super Bowl-caliber roster. We know they play hard for Dan Campbell, and and if you've been watching Hard Knocks, his his one-liners and two-liners, but I've never experienced this. I know I, I still I'm still hesitant in saying that they'll make the playoffs, but that's honestly only because it's the Detroit Lions. But again, this team, in my opinion, is is a good team. Like you said, you talked about Jeff Okuda. You talked about the upgrade, the offensive line with Panay Sewell. And it's really on Jared Goff. I think last time we saw Jared Goff outside of a Detroit Lions jersey, of course, he led, well, the the year after, but he led the, or he was the quarterback of the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. Of course, they ultimately didn't win, but. Do you think that Jared Goff has what it takes, not to say take him to the Super Bowl or take him to the playoffs, but at least bring out the best in this roster? Yeah, I think he can. And I think this is another one where, like, you know, and he, and for, for his, you know, and it's, and it's crazy because I think why people give him such a bad, kind of connotation because he was a number one overall pick. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, if he was like a mid round pick or maybe even top 
outside the top 10, I think people will look at him a lot different. I definitely think he does because he definitely provides like the like more of a the leadership qualities of this team, I think, and also that veteran experience. And I think now, you know, hopefully, you know, our guy, Mark Brunel, definitely uh, will take care of him as far as being a QB coach. So mm-hmm. he'll learn a lot from uh, being under Mark Brunel on his tutelage. So I think, I like, and like you said, that, that do I think he he's a he would be a game manager to a point where he could get this team at least in, in playoff contention and they'd be playing meaningful football in the month of December, January. Yeah. Let's let's go and talk about a team that I, for the life of me, can't wrap my head around, and that's the Chicago Bears. I, I just don't un- – <laughs> the thing that I don't understand the most is the things that have not worked for you, they continue to drive home. They continue to get wrong. It's like you have – it didn't work with Matt Nagy. Then you get, uh, what, Eberflus, who, yeah. who is a defensive, co- defensive coach. And you have the offense was anemic last year. And then you lose uh, Allen Robinson. You, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't. And then you don't address the off the, you don't address the offensive line that much in the draft. You don't address the wide receiver position that much in the draft. And now the whole Raycon, Raycon Smith thing. What in your opinion is going on with Chicago? It's a mess. It's to a point, like even I said, um, you know, if you're in Chicago, you're looking forward to the Bulls playing. Like if you can endure the next <laughs> first six, seven, eight weeks of the season, yeah. the Bulls will be playing in mid in mid-October. So, you know, just buckle up with it. Like you said, in Chicago, it's 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 weird because they they've they've done stuff in essence kind of unorthodox. Mm-hmm. It go even go back to the days of remember when they got the gap from the CFL. Yeah. Um, that then it's just been like a downward spiral ever since. And like you said, you, you know, the, like getting rid of it, like Alan Robinson, but you really don't replace him. You get a guy and, you know, obviously like in the Kale Henry, which yeah. he's, you know, and you kind of question that because obviously he didn't do much in Indian and, um, in, in New England. So you kind of think to yourself, what is going on, especially when you invested two first round draft picks on a guy like a Justin Fields, there should be something where you're giving him tools. Like you see how other teams, even in his draft class, you look at other teams in the NFL who have given their quarterbacks weapons or yes. people that can help around. And like this, and like you said, if they struggled last year offensively, they're going to struggle even worse. Mm-hmm. And then this whole thing, and like you said, the Rokon Smith thing is just is a mess because that's something that you definitely don't want to have, especially going into the season where there's, two different narratives that's a where really three is really whatever's you know there's one on one camp versus you know so that's in and, and he's getting ready to start a trend now where they they don't and then not knowing I didn't even know he didn't have an agent so then now right and then now they're saying they don't even want him to even like if you request a trade like who who is going to be his buffer as far as because that might might um, leak into what they would consider tampering because who mm-hmm. who represents him and it's like he really can't call general managers and say hey can you trade for me so mm-hmm. it's it's a mess it's it's a mess where it's like it's gonna be hard for him to even get traded so it's just like he's gonna probably sit there and be unhappy and he's like one of your top guys on defense and you have a defensive matter head coach yeah it, it's a mess it's, it's, I'm, you know, I, like the Bulls will be there soon. Yeah. So just wait for the Bulls. <laughs> what I think is, I think it's two outdated rules of thought that they're going. 
They're looking at what's what was what was successful for them, which is of course a defensive led team, yeah. uh, a rugged a, a rugged coach, which which was very successful for them back in what eight the eighties and in in nineties early nineties, actually eighties eighties really yeah because yeah, <laughs> and then they're looking and then I think their thought is. We draft you this high. You should be able to work with whoever we put. We're talking about Justin Fields, talking about you should work with whoever we put because we draft you so high. But the the league doesn't work that way. What 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 the Chicago Bears? They're forming a reputation. You trade away Khalil Mack. Um, you you should have punted on Matt Nagy a while ago, but you but you you held him on too long. Now you're trotting out Justin Fields. You're not giving him protection. You're not really giving him, yeah, David Montgomery's okay, but in any other system, he really wouldn't be a one running back. You're, you're letting, you're giving away his number one receiver in uh, Allen Robinson. And even with Allen Robinson, you weren't drawing up plays for, it just, you're, the worst thing that they're doing, in my opinion, is they're building a reputation that people don't want to go to them. And because of that, there it's going. That's why I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. I think by far they're going to be the worst team in this division. And I, I with the whole Raekwon thing, again, players talk. You know this. We all know this. Yep. Players talk. And a player as beloved as Raekwon Smith saying, hey, you didn't treat me right. You know, I, I don't feel valued. I want to request a trade, especially after giving away to Khalil Mack. It just doesn't it doesn't bode well. And I don't, I don't see a path to success, at least in this current iteration of the Chicago bears for Justin Fields and moving forward, I fear, which we've seen a lot, they start to pile on the blame to him and not really look at the organization. And then they're going to ship him off or they're just going to, I think they're going to rot out his early development years. And, and once that happens, it's, you know, it's, it's a Josh Rosen situation, you know? So I, what is the, in your opinion, what's the best case scenario for the, for the bears? Um, I say maybe six, seven wins, potentially. I think if they, um, that, that'd be the probably the best case scenario for them because just a simple fact of um, if they win six games, it'll be pretty much off that defense and, you know, at the offense, they're going to struggle. They're going to have to find ways to maybe potentially, you know, have um, turnover opportunities. Maybe, you know, I think if they can win that turnover battle, as far as like I have a differential in the, like, the, like I would say maybe like a five plus or so, I think they can, can win games and finish games off of, off the trip of their defense. So I think the best case scenario is probably six wins. Let me, let me add. I- I talk about this a lot on the podcast. I talk about incompetency and how some players and how not players, how some organizations get into incompetency or, or get out of it. In your opinion, let's, let's, let's play GMs for a second. How do we save the Chicago bears for themselves? What are some moves that they can do in the, in the immediate that can help stir them in the right direction? I, first, you need to clear this Ro- Roquan Swift, Smith situation because he's a guy, especially, you know, as, as you kind of alluded to earlier, 
he's a leader of that defense. He's a guy that has needs to really fall in line because if he falls in line, everybody else is going to fall, gotcha. fall in line with him. So I, I want to clear that up. I want to, I will sit him in the room, lock him, lock him in that room, mm. have, you know, sandwiches, whatever you want. We're going to, we're going to sit, sit this out. We're going to talk through it, through it then all our issues, we'll hash it out. So when we get back on that field the next day and practice or whatever, mm. everybody know that you're a part of this team, you're yeah. the leader, and whatever goes goes. You fix that part. Mm. And I think when you look at um it's for this year it's gonna be a little bit different. And hopefully Justin Fields can kind of gain some, you know, some continuity um in that in that offense, like as far as um, because I'm not sure who's their quarterback coach of the OC, but they need to, you know, they need to Got him along slowly, like because I, I like the Matt Nagy situation, and and shout out to um, um, a guy Jake Krisner who came on my show and we both was agreeing like he shouldn't have been on that field last year. Yeah. Like he had no business being on that field, and I totally agree with that notion because he just wasn't ready, and that offense wasn't ready for him anyway. So it's almost like when you he loses somewhat of that grace that he supposed he, that he so richly deserves. So it's like now. If he's if if he has a um, a mirror copy of this season, the B word is gonna come out. They're, they're gonna say it with him as a bust, yeah. and I and I think that's totally unfair, especially especially in this regime. So, mm-hmm. I think it's just one of the things where you just have to make sure that he's comfortable. I, not say dump down the defense, but kind of make it, you know, to his strengths. Like find ways that can make him creative, and like you said, you know, David Montgomery work with what you got with that. And then also your, your um, and then also kind of think Cole commit. I definitely think he's a guy that he needs to really, it needs to be like his real, his real safety blanket like him. They need to kind of literally be locking stuff with each other. Like they mm-hmm. need to be damn near like, you know, pitch and catch, you know, at the, at the practice, you know, and, and actually develop a rapport. Cause I think that's not thing where I think he can be successful at least, you know, in this offense, if he can, especially I think a guy who can, who can literally, I think could, could, could salvage um, some of his offensive woes. I think he yeah. could be a guy that could, could, could help. I agree wholeheartedly. The first thing you have to do is you have to, and this is all pretty much piggybacking on what you said. You have to build a reputation that you, you treat your, your own well. Yeah. Um, Raekwon, Raekwon Smith, he said nothing but positives about the Chicago Bears as outside of the whole contract negotiation and everything. Like, he wants to be there. He loves it. And he's one of the best linebackers in the league. And, and we know what happened with Khalil. It's like, you can't let that happen again. And I agree wholeheartedly about Justin Fields and having that number, you know, having Cole com- uh, commit. I think... Not saying he's as good, and of course, Justin Fields isn't as good, but he needs to play that Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews role. He yep. needs he needs to be that, that safety blanket. Like you said, he needs a surety. Right now, he has a lot of unsureties around him, or insurities, uh, whatever the word is. <laughs> I think that in Cole Komet, he can be one of the best, one of the better young, young tight ends in the league. Uh, you see how TJ Hosman's or TJ Hookinson is with uh, uh, Jared Goff. Yep. It just, you need that. You need that. You, you just give away his, you gave away his number one receiver, at least 
draw up more plays for Cole commit, draw up more, more run plays. Like you said, dumb down the defense, dumb down the offense a little bit. Cause I agree with you as well. I don't think he should have been on the field last year. He looked, he clearly did. He didn't even really look ready in the preseason. So I, I, I agree with you, man. I, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more about, about this whole Chicago situation. Let's, let's go to a team. I think the Minnesota Vikings are in one of the worst places that you can be in the NFL. And to me, that's in the middle. You're not good enough to really make any noise, in my opinion, in the playoffs or late, late in the year. And you're not bad enough to really make a, you know, you're not bad enough to get a good pick. <laughs> and Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. I mean, we're both Washington fans. We've seen him several times at this point. Like, Kirk Cousins, he's good, but he, let me say, he's okay. But, and, and okay is only going to get you so far in the league. You got a new coach. Uh, and, and, uh, O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. Kevin O'Connell. <laughs> what are the Vikings in your opinion? You know what? I'm, if I'm going to put all my chips at a table, I really like this Minnesota Vikings team, mm. and and it's and it's and now I look at it, you know, and, and I am an un, unapologetic Kirk Cousins fan. So mm. regardless of of, oh. of 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 you know, but yeah. and I think now in a situation where this is it's, it's a one it's a one year deal with with Kirk at this point, and I think now he has a coach that likes him, and mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a huge difference, obviously. Mm-hmm. With Kevin O'Connell, and obviously Kevin O'Connell, because really when you really think about it, when you know Kurt had that big year that pretty much prompted him to have this eighty-four million dollar guaranteed contract that he got in two thousand eighteen, it was on the heels of Kevin O'Connell being his quarterbacks coach in Washington. Yeah. So I think that's going to definitely help, and I think coupled with a guy like a, like Wes Phillips mm-hmm. running that offense, I think they're they're going to be a really interesting team offensively because obviously you know you you got the two-headed monster dalvin cook and then uh madison at that and then you also got justin jefferson there then adam thielen and then you got irv smith jr Mm -hmm. there so the cupboard isn't bare offensively and i think that's going to be a good thing too because i think they everybody loved mike zimmer but mike zimmer didn't love kirk cousins yeah yeah so (laughs) so that's going to be the biggest thing and I think their defense is going to be definitely be solid. I, I think the one that the sneaky the sneaky acquisition they got was Darius Smith from yes. Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be interesting. Then also you look at other um, like um, obviously getting Jordan Hicks, another key another good acquisition as well. And then just that secondary is still still solid. Obviously, um, you look at a guy you know obviously Patrick Peterson is still there, Harris Smith is still there. So I, like when you say the choice going to be second. I'm a tipper that I think Minnesota is going to vault to that second spot. And I think it's going to be kind of a log jam at that too, but I like that Minnesota Vikings team. I, I I'm, I'm loving it. One thing I'll say, I will, I did come in hot with Minnesota, but that's what we're used to. We're used to just a middle of the pack team yeah. or, you know, you reach high heights, you go into uh, the Superdome, you beat Drew Brees in them and then you lay an egg the next game. You know what I'm saying? I do agree with you in the sense of this team is better. This team is better than it's been. You know, you, the acquisition you talk about is in Darius Smith. You have one of the best uh, wide receivers in the league in Justin Jefferson. 
And then Adam Thielen, who's been a one for the longest now, is a two. So we'll see how he operates with it. And it go, it kind of goes back to the Jared Goff and the Lions thing. It's really up to Kirk Cousins. And I think that what they're hoping is what Indianapolis hoped when they got Carson Wentz and when they paired him and Frank Wright. They're hoping that you get the best out of Kirk Cousins, which as we've again, as Washington fans, we've seen the best of Kirk Cousins, we believe. And it, it was a good it was a good showing. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll say I'll say this. If we get the best Kirk Cousins that we possibly can, and, and I guess this could be a hot take as well. If we get the best Kirk Cousins that we possibly can and everything clicks the way it's supposed to, I can see this team easily being the number one team in the NFC North. That's even with, you know, Aaron Rodgers, which we'll talk about in a second, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. This team on paper is a better team than Green Bay. It's just, are they, in my opinion, are they going to be able? Hell, I think the Detroit Lions on paper is a better team than Green Bay. It's just, are they going to be able to put it together? Are they going to be able to string? Because I think last year or, yeah, last year, I think the, the Vikings lost like six games when it was three or, or within three, three points. So, of course, I expect you to win some some of those games, and it could very easily be the best team in the in the NFC North. Do you do you think that – so we know uh, Kevin O'Connor from, of course, Washington. Do you think that it was a home run getting him as a head coach? Yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely, definitely in this case, and then I think even – um, even I think, cause I think they're probably going to move off of potential Kirk cousins. And I think, I think he's going to be great for a guy like a Kellen Munn, who another one where Mike Zimmer really, he was in Mike Zimmer's doghouse as well towards the end of the year, which it was probably one of the funniest sound bites of 2022. But I think, I think he'll definitely usher in, um, usher in a guy like a Kellen Munn down the road. So yeah, I think, especially now in the way how offenses are, um, and just how the league is set up where you need to get it uh, pretty much your coach needs to be pretty much um, of some type of offensive um, system, like an offensive minded coach in a sense, because that's the way the game is really going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he's a solid hire. Um, he could be a guy that, you know, he could be their next. I call it Kevin Stefanski, a guy who I can see being in an organization for 10 to 15 years, how Kevin Stefanski was in Minnesota. So I, I definitely think he's could, could be a long-standing member of this of this organization. So yeah, I, I love I loved it. I was, you know, yeah. So best case scenario, I think we both are think, saying that this team is good enough to be one of the best teams in NFC North. Do you think that this team is good enough to make some noise in the playoffs, especially seeing how the NFC has kind of changed in a lot of ways? They can. I think on, on paper, but like I said, a lot of uh, the other intentions, like I said, now that's, this is when the, the, the reality of kind of Kirk cousins mm-hmm. um, really needs to be displayed where when it comes to the big games and those yeah. where time to get in, in press situations, like I wasn't, you know, he, but he has, he has slowly kind of creeped up. Cause I remember like when he was with well, us, he didn't really win a lot of primetime games. I think, mm. I think he didn't win a one night game until he could a primetime game until he went to uh, Minnesota when, yeah. he, when they beat Dallas that year, then he couldn't, could never win a playoff game. He went, like you said, like you mentioned earlier, he went to new Orleans and won. And then obviously the next week they laid an egg. So, and the way the NFC is set up this year, I, 
they got a shot. I, I I can see them potentially being in the divisional round. I can see them potentially being a a you know obviously winning a wild card. I'm not necessarily they're gonna host the game, but they could potentially sneak one on the road. But that's where Kirk Cousins has been the unproven part of it. Like you said, if when if it's you know I would I would probably more you know as far as even you know Jared you know um you know I don't know. I just think I don't think he's gonna. He's good for a divisional round. I don't think they could go to the NFC Championship game. I just, just the way the, the way it is. I think he's, like you said, he's average. He's average at best, which, you know, at, yeah. like yeah. I mean, so, it's what it is. So in your, <laughs> I, I guess I was gonna ask that. That's the next question I was gonna ask, but you kind of answered it as far as mm-hmm. what is Kirk Cousins' ceiling, and we both kind of agree he's an average quarterback, but he can show flash and he can shine yeah. in certain situations. Um, and at I, I kind of agree with you. At best, I can see them in the divisional. It's it's kind of hard because and that's more of how the NFC is shaping up. Yeah. More than what what Kurt's doing. If he just doesn't turn the ball over, if he, you know, wins the you have a number one, you have one of the top five, in my opinion, receivers in the league. Like make it work. Make it <laughs> not to mention you have Adam Thielen as a number two. Just make it work. And if you can't, then again, you have one year on the deal. Uh, I, I think that if this doesn't work, especially pairing you with O'Connell, I, I think at that point it's 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 curtains yeah. for Kurt Cousins. Kurt Cousins. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the team that is made. Not even the team. Let's talk about Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers had a very loud uh offseason, of course. With the whole, you know, is he coming back? Is he not coming back? Does he want to get traded? Then, of course, we know he signs the deal. Moments later, Devontae Adams up and leaves. <laughs> One thing that I do agree, you hear this a lot. I think, shouts out to Colin Cowherd. He says this a lot. Usually the loudest teams don't succeed as far as they should or underachieve. Let's say that. I think this team in Green in Green Bay, I think this team still is good enough to win a Super Bowl. Yes, I understand losing Devontae Adams is huge, but you still have Aaron Rodgers, a two-time or two or consecutive champion uh Super Bowl, not Super Bowl, MVP winner. Yeah. And while yes, losing, in my opinion, the number one receiver in the league is huge, you're still Aaron Rodgers, and you can you also lose Valdez Scaling, which is big too. But you still have Aaron Jones and and Alan Lazard, who is see if who can who can rise to be a number one receiver. And then you call out your the young wide receiver core. It, it, what what is your what is your out outlook or when you look today, how do you feel the state of the Green Bay Packers is? I think I think they're going to be fine. I also agree to your point where I think they're going to be fine. It's just a bump in the road for them, and I think and 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 leadership comes in multiple forms and multiple fashions. I think he did that in a sense because he think he he knows that that's how to get these players. I think he, there's a reason behind. There's a method to his madness. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily think that it's a good thing or a bad thing. 
And like he said, but he is right, though. There is a standard when it comes to these wide receivers because you look at just throughout this, throughout, you know, these guys, they're homegrown organic talents. And these guys in this room that currently presented, you could be the next Devontae Adams. You could be the next Randall Cobb, even though Randall Cobb's on the roster as well. Mm-hmm. But you can be those Jordan guys. Nelson. You can be the Jordan Nelson, yeah. um, uh, Greg Jennings. You can be those kind of guys. And I just, and this is just one of the things I think you just want to put a fire under them. And I think it could be just a situation. And plus, you know, it's, they're in a monotonous point of training camp where yeah. I know they're probably tired of hitting each other and going one-on-one practice, even though that, you know, they obviously they got preseason games, but you know, and that's you're going to wind down. And I think he's just doing that just to rally the troops. I don't really think nothing of it in a sense. I think that's just how Aaron Rodgers is wired. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the funny thing about it is, they're probably going to respond to it because I think that was one, you know, one of those things where, you know, if you, like you're missing simple, you know, like he said, you miss simple routes in, in, in these little basic concepts, we need to work on that. And I yeah. think, and I, I, I'm, I'm cool with it. I think, and, and, and it's funny and I bet guarantee you we'll see something different. It may not necessarily be in this, in, in week two of the preseason or maybe next week down the line, but you know, come regular season, you might see, you know, it's why receiver core kind of gel and come together off of just that off, off that you know comment and just how you know and um and how you address the media so yeah yeah i think i i, I think it's all about how you respond if you, you could pout about it and of course stop showing up and at that point you're jeopardizing the whole because again this team is good i mean you have zyra alexander who's one of the best defensive players in the league you see what's going on with kevin king you have uh preston smith you have really good pieces it, and to me any team that is led with aaron Rodgers is a super bowl caliber team i think last year was their best shot um i think they could win it but you know i, I there's gone are the days where i think a a 13 and three or 13 or 14 and three win team can, can win the Super Bowl. Thanks green Bay. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I think that a lot is being talked about as far as is Aaron Rodgers that good. Um, because he doesn't have, cause we, we remember him force feeding Devonta Adams in that, in that playoff game, which clearly didn't work. I do have a question for you though. And I'm I'm still skeptical. I kind of it's kind of like the LeBron James factor. Anybody, in my opinion, can coach LeBron James and make it to the finals. Anybody can. LeBron James is just that good. So in my in 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 your opinion, the I still have my reservations about Matt Lafleur. Do you think that he is a uh, top tier co- or coach? As a lot of people are, as his record would state. The verdict is still out. I don't necessarily think so because I like I, a lot of people, and it's funny because a lot of people really attribute, like, because really when he was offensive coordinator in Tennessee, they were kind of pretty much one of the you know eighth worst team yeah. um, offensively. And I think you said I think it's just one of those. It's it's almost like a <laughs> could it, could we well no because we because I was going to say he's a Talu, but no Talu has been proven and knows yeah. hey yeah. he's been a good coach. Um, David Blatt. Yeah, David Blatt or maybe a Doc Rivers, yeah. potentially. Um, yeah, and I, and like you said, it's, it's easy to be 
in that seat where it comes to Aaron Rodgers, where, you know, it's, you know, you can win 13 wins every year. If you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers, especially at his level, he's playing and he's pretty much in the, um, the height of his career in a sense from a, from a physical standpoint. Um, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, he's got a two-time league MVP consecutive. So and the question is, and my biggest thing is, I'm, I wouldn't really, if, if, if it's, and I like Matt LaFleur, but I, like, to me, I, I'm really curious about this whole development of Jordan Love. Cause to me, I'm like, yeah, he, he's not been looking the best. And like year three for him. Yeah. And that's the thing where, cause that's, that's your guy. Yeah. You gra- drafted him in the first round where you could have got so many other talents, especially in that class where you had so many wide receiver rich class and playmaker and rich type of class instead of getting a guy a quarterback who's going to be sitting at the end of the bench you know and now you know so and to me it's like y'all extended you know y'all you know y'all extended um Aaron Rodgers it's like y'all just gonna really let y'all first round traffic probably walk yeah because that's how I seem like it's going he might outlive um you know your your coveted first round draft pick so You know, it's you know, so it's 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 different. Like you know, it's not like the like transition between Brett Favre and mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, where hey, they just knew, hey, we just tie your shenanigans. Yeah, we got a guy that's ready. So yeah, yeah. I, to me, the thing that that defines a good quarterback is those late game situations and those play in basketball. What what defines a good coach is those uh in back you know, out of re, out of out of timeout play calls or the plays that you make with five seconds left, even if you have a great coach, like the schemes that you do and time and time again, we have seen, I mean, now it's not all, of course, Matt LaFleur's fault, but you know, you need, you need a score and you take Aaron Rodgers off the field against the, the Rams, is it the Rams? No, the, the bucks. Um, You, you don't you score 10 was it 10 points 10 points an entire game at home in the playoffs against a team that couldn't score themselves in the in the San Francisco 49ers it's those moments where I'm like all right yes you have Aaron Rodgers and I was crazy Aaron Rodgers is there's a reason why he is a player and not a coach players are always going to you know player players it's a players league Let, let's let's yep. keep it real but there is guidance that needs to be there and when some of the biggest moments where we need you to shine and you don't, you start to think, I mean, hell was <laughs> it was the, was it the, yeah, they didn't, they struggled the entire second half against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a year ago. They struggled the entire, from the first quarter on uh, this 49ers, not to mention we've seen them get smacked by, now. Of course the, the teams were different, but we've seen them get smacked two years in a row by the 49ers. So it's the jury's still out, in my opinion. I think that this this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year we see if he can coach or not. Because now you know you have a younger team, you have a newer team. This is the time we all right. How are they going to gel? I I think they need to figure this Jordan Love out. Jordan Love's not saying trade him or whatever, but that's looking worse and worse by the day. I mean, we both, I'm sure we saw that first uh, preseason game where he looked, God, all he looked worse than a, 
than than a than a rookie. And and it's like this is year three. Yeah. He had one of the worst interceptions I've seen from a year three court. The fact that you're a year three quarterback and you're starting in the in the preseason and of itself is is crazy. So I, I just think that there's a lot of question marks um, going into Green Bay. And I think one of the biggest question marks, in my opinion, is, is Matt LaFleur really a good coach or is he riding off just how talented not only Aaron Rodgers, but this team as a whole is. I think that's what we're going to start to see this year, because if Matt LaFleur is a good coach, in my opinion, this team is good enough to win a Super Bowl, especially being led by Aaron Rodgers, whether you have Devonta Adams or not. If not, however, we're going to – I think you're going to start to really see, all right, now, Matt, what's what's going on? I know Aaron Rodgers will probably get a lot of blame for it because it's Aaron Rodgers. But it's like, Matt, what, what are you doing? There's no – you don't have a number two at this point. Like, you – what's going on, man? That's that's just something that I'm, I, I see brewing, and I think that come probably weeks 10 or 11 – it's either going to be, yo, this team is actually really good and Super Bowl caliber, or damn, we now we really see how how important Devontae Adams was. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just how I that's how I see things. So so I have two questions or two more questions, and I do appreciate you know having you on the podcast. There's always a player that we don't see coming that kind of is a breakout player in this division or in every division. Um, I think last year it was Pat Fairmoth uh, for the Steelers. Yeah. Um, when we talk about the, the AFC North. In this division, what player, in your opinion, do you see being that breakout star? Maybe that's not a star player. That's not Aaron Rodgers. That's not um, Panay Soul. I think he's a star at this point. Yeah. What is – do you have who is your, who is your surprise player that I that you think will uh, emerge as a breakout star in this division this year? I think it's a guy that I've kind of talked about a little bit earlier, DeAndre Swift. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put all my chips in for DeAndre Swift. I think he's a guy because I think he I think he had like I forgot how much how many yards he had, but I think he he was almost close to a thousand. I think he's gonna be another. He's gonna be a thousand yard rusher in this league this year. I think, like I t- said earlier, uh, we got a healthy offensive line. Um, you know, those guys are back, and you hopefully, you know, to, to Panay Sue, you he won't be playing musical chairs on an offensive line like he did last year. So, you know, hopefully, you get that constituent in the offensive line, and I definitely think there's gonna be a lot of, um, you know, a lot of uh, penetration on that line that can create some opportunities and to create some whole coals for. Um, you know, for uh, DeAndre Swift, but he's a guy, especially if I think like we like how you I mean you think as far as Detroit being a a somewhat of a team that could you know that's that could shake up this division. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be one of those. It's going to be predicated on the play of a guy like a DeAndre Swift as well. I think he he'll be a, a major key if this team is successful. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I, I agree at that point, saying the offensive line is kind of shored up. Uh, this is second year for Panay Soul, who I think uh, is was one of the best offensive linemen in all the league last year when healthy. Yeah. I think I think that's a great pick. For me, I'm gonna go with a player that it he kind of needs to have a breakout a breakout performance for his team to 
to be, I'm not going to say good, but he needs that. And, and to me, that's Alan Lazard. I think that there's there's a lot, there's clearly a lot of targets out there seeing as though Devonta Adams is not there. And it kind of feels like Aaron Rodgers outside of Randall Cobb, who we all think is kind of past his, well, you know, think we know he's past his prime. I think Alan Lazard needs to be that player that not saying he's going to be as good as Devonta Adams. Nobody thinks that. But he needs to he needs to emerge as that number one receiver. Uh, because if not, I mean, Robert Tanyan, he's good, but of course he's coming off uh, ACL tear. So I think Alan Lazard, he is going to, he's going to need, I mean, you lose Valdez Gaming and Devonta Adams. So it's just like, there's a lot of, and you bring on Sammy Watkins, which he ain't worked since Clemson, in my opinion. So it's just like, that's not doing nothing for you at this point. I think Alan Lazard is going to be that player that, Aaron Rodgers starts to develop trust with more and receives a lot of those Devonta Adams targets. Um, so you have Devon, you have DeAndre Swift. I have Alan Lazard. And the last question, uh, in your opinion, we we talked about you know the, the Bears, we talked about the Lions, we talked about the the Green Bay, we talked about the NFC North. Who do you have winning the division? Um, Green Bay. Um, and it's funny because they're, they're not going to be at 13 and 14 and 13 and three in, in previous two seasons. They're not going to be that 13 win team anymore. I think they're going to take a step back and I call it a half a step back. They'll be 11 and six. And I think they'll win this division. Okay. I agree because I trust Aaron Rodgers over Kurt Cousins. I trust Aaron Rodgers over Jared Goff. And I definitely trust Aaron Rodgers over what's happening in Chicago. I will say that in my opinion, this year there's more competition than it's usually been as far as that maybe top seed. There's a lot, there's some question marks with green Bay and there's a on paper, of course the game's not played on paper, but on paper, you can argue that Minnesota has a better uh, team. Hell did short has a better team, but I trust Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers a lot of people say is one of the greatest skilled quarterbacks of all time or one of the greatest throwers of the ball of all time, which I can, you know, he's done things that we've never seen. I mean, I don't know how many Hail Marys he succeeded. So I'm, I'm going to go with Green Bay. I, I agree just because I trust Aaron Rodgers that much. And I think he's able to bring the best. I'm not saying Devonta Adams it was made by Aaron Rodgers in, in any slight. But I think that there is something t- we're going to see a different Devontae Adams playing with Derek Carr, even though there is a relationship from college. I think it's different, you know, going from an Aaron Rodgers to a Derek Carr. And I think the greatness of Aaron Rodgers did elevate the greatness of Devontae Adams a little bit. So and I think he's that's going to be able to happen with Alan Lazard, with a Dobbs, you know what I'm saying? So I, I have Green Bay as well. <laughs> Again, I want to thank Chris for coming on. I'll leave all his links in the description below. Go check out the Couch Coach Podcast. It's a great podcast, especially if you love football. He has on a lot of guests, and, and, and it's, it's a great podcast. So go check that out. And, again, I appreciate you, Chris, for coming on. And that has been this today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast, shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Whatever you like, I got you. Whatever color you like, I got you. 
Go get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to whoever you're listening. Please subscribe to whoever you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. And until next time, much love. Let the blessings flow. Let the blessings flow. Right to my soul. My thirsty soul. Let the blessings flow. Say I'm grateful for not anything but everything. Every loss I had to take, I took it on the chin. We stood on our ten. And I knew one day that we would win again. Been prayed on my downfall by many men. Oh Lord, I thank you for not giving in. Must I tell them once again? All I do is win. You either win with us or watch us win. That's why I'm grateful for anything and everything. That's why I'm grateful for anything and everything. Oh Lord, I'm grateful for anything and everything. Oh, oh. I was ungrateful, oh Lord. So I was ungrateful, oh Lord. I had every loss that came with many rings. Even though the hatred came with many things, cause I can't go for anything. Even though my plate full, I can't complain, I'm grateful. Even though my plate full, I can't complain, it's everything that I pray for. Oh Lord, I'm grateful. Oh Lord, I'm grateful. Oh Lord, I'm grateful.